the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to another edition of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast here on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Uh, continuing the off-season shenanigans here, um, doing something a little bit different today. I know we are usually doing um, deep dives into Conference USA teams with guests. Uh, today, we are just uh, talking amongst ourselves with uh, some of the noteworthy and newsworthy things that have happened throughout the league in the last week or so. Joe Lonergan here with you as always, joined by my good buddy Eric Henry. How you doing today, man? I'm doing all right, Joe. I cannot complain. It was another beautiful evening here in the sunshine state of Florida, even though I'm uh, trapped here in the, in the office, but uh, can't complain. Doing all right. Just, you know, hey, talking sports, uh, working in sports, so you can't beat that, right? No, you really can't. It's funny, like, when we usually end up, you know, talking about the weather and stuff. The last week or so, it in Portland, Oregon, where I live, it has been, like, crazy nice. Mid-70s, super sunny. And uh, it's funny, my girlfriend's parents, as a, a birthday gift for her, bought us some patio furniture. And I was like, oh, nice, since the weather's being, you know, cooperative, we'll actually get to enjoy it a little bit. Built it last night set it up, put it on the porch, poured down rain all day. <laughs> like immediately. It's like it, it like it knew that I was like ready to actually enjoy like something resembling like spring summer weather out here. I guess that's the luck of the draw, right? I was getting ready to say that you're finally getting some of the weather that we enjoy here on a constant basis and then, you know, more of that uh that Pacific Northwest weather that's just raining coming down on you. So uh, I, I won't rub it in too much, but at least it, it sounds like the tide is turning a little bit. So you, you could have got a, maybe you know, a cookout or, or something in, in, the, in the near future plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the words of Homer Simpson, <laughs> lousy smarch weather, of course. Um. <laughs> nice. Uh, but uh, we'll go ahead and start the show off with uh, some unfortunate news for uh, FAU fans. Maybe not necessarily fans, but uh, certainly for quarterback Chris Robison, who was suspended earlier this week for uh, violation of an internal policy of some sorts. Um, don't really have a ton of information on it, but um, certainly going to affect his, uh, you know, competition for the starting job with uh, redshirt freshman Cordell Littlejohn and, of course, redshirt sophomore Nick Tronti uh, vying for the job as well. Do we know exactly how long he's going to be suspended for, or do we have any indication of like what he actually did? That's the scary thing about it, Joe, is that there's no indication as far as how long this is going to be. And the reason I say scary is that when you're dealing with a suspension, you know, it's almost as if you'd like to know, like you mentioned, what specifically happened. So you can kind of gauge in your head whether you're a fan of the Owls or a fan of an uh, opposing, you know, team, a Conference USA team. All right, maybe we'll see Chris Robinson come to season. Maybe we won't, right? But when I talked to Jake Elman, who we had in our previous podcast, mm -hmm. he, he mentioned that this just seems to be an accumulation of little things. And you're talking about someone who was suspended last season as well. Um, the exact quote, and I'm reading it here from Jake's tweet, is that uh, Robinson did not practice today, uh, that being March 20th, and will not practice throughout the entire spring. So I guess we can at least mark it as, as an entire spring suspension because of an internal matter. Now, when I spoke to, to Jake as well, I don't think he'll mind me saying this, um, mm -hmm. is that this essentially seems to be an accumulation of little things, right? It's not just one major incident. 
uh, Jake's kind of made references to, to Robinson's maturity. And he even did so when we had the podcast. You know, is he going to be able to grow up and step up and, and be the, the leader of the program, the face of the program, right? And that seems to be what we're dealing with here. And, I, you know, when I first heard about the suspension, my initial gut reaction, it wasn't shock, Joe. It, it was more so, okay, Kiffin apparently has enough, for lack of a better phrase, ammunition to pull the trigger on this move and send the message to Robinson that, hey, you know, you're no longer a freshman. You're no longer a redshirt freshman. If you're going to be the guy who started 11 or 12 games for his team last year and can lead us into the future, you got to step up. You got to mature. We can't have these little setbacks. And that's just kind of the vibe that has been here throughout South Florida. It's not necessarily that this was expected, but no one's really shocked either. So, yeah, that seems to be kind of the situation when you talk about just how much they really have in the tank when it comes to a the quarterback position and really just kind of overall talent. It's just a matter of like, you know, whether it all comes together. And obviously it didn't really come together in the way that they thought last year. And you mentioned that Robinson got suspended last year as well. It's, you know, a lot of these guys are obviously young. They're in college and it seems like Kiffin has a habit of bringing in guys who, you know, I don't want to say have, you know, a habit of, you know, not doing a lot of like little things that you would, you know, you would see maybe, I don't know, some higher profile program players maybe not do necessarily. But I don't know. I guess the point is, I don't think this is going to affect them too much. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think, especially now that they're dealing with it in spring, I don't think there's too much cause for concern. But I guess in a way, it's nice that they're kind of getting you know, for lack of a better term, the, the fear of God in them now before, you know, it, it, they get to the games that actually matter come August and September. Yeah, and and, and you make a lot of good points there. Let's go ahead and just kind of uh, put it all out there and get all yeah. the information out there. I'll go ahead and re- read a list. And I don't want to sound as if I'm, you know, trying to throw Chris Robinson under the bus. I've, I've actually had a conversation with him. Uh, I believe it was after it was after the Shula Bowl game last year, and you know seems like a like a decent kid, but he is having some issues following uh, the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a suspension. Or excuse me, he was dismissed from Oklahoma in summer of 2017, following both an April 2017 arrest for public intoxication and later a violation of team rules. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you're from when you're coming to college, it happens. Uh, he transfers to FAU shortly after. He did have a quick uh, run in as far as compliance with the transfer rules. Then we come to, as I'm reading it here, just to make sure I've got it right, he was suspended for the opening practice of last year's spring camp for violating team rules. And now you come fast forward to this year. He's once again suspended for in what was termed an internal matter. The quote from Lane Kiffin is, we don't really discuss details on them, but it is what it is. We're trying to help kids grow and mature and hold kids to a higher standard. So it's, it's kind of what I said before, right? It's just... It's not a huge major thing. It's it's uh, an accumulation of these little instances that keep happening, and you don't necessarily want the face of your program to be running into these issues. Because just to, and, and I'll throw this out at you, you know, and we kind of talk out of flesh out a little bit. I am not a believer, Joe, that the best player on your team has to be the leader. And I'm not necessarily saying that Chris Robinson is the best player on the team currently. However, with graduations of veterans like Jalen Young, uh, Al Shire graduated, Devin Singletary. You can run down the list. Robinson was going to be looked at as a leader in in that building and, and within that program. So you can't be 
the leader and be getting into these instances. Because what does that say if you're a younger player on the team and your starting QB keeps, you know, running amok? So uh, it's it's something that clearly has to happen, and, and maybe they can get it straightened out going forward. Sure. And just to kind of tack onto that, you talk about you know uh, your best player doesn't necessarily have to be the leader of your team. I would agree with that, but also when you're the starting quarterback, you do kind of have to be a leader in some facet uh, just because of the nature of the position. You're making a lot of decisions based on the offense and you control the offense more or less. So I think, you know, hopefully this is a learning moment for the kid. Um, And of course, you know, for, for Al fans, hopefully it doesn't affect their overall production or state too much because, Going back to what we said at the very beginning of this discussion, they have some good talent backing him up if they need to dip into the tank a little bit. Um, so, and, and I guess really quick, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the players behind them. Uh, you have Cordell Littlejohn, who mm-hmm. was a transfer from Illinois, uh, who's there. And you also have Nick Tronti, who was down here in these parts. If you're the winner of Mr. Football, you're a heck of a, of a ball player. And he was that at Nice High School, which is primarily known for being the high school that produced Tim Tebow. So he's coming from, you know, a really football rich uh, program there in Nice. And they do have two talented players, little John and, and Tronti as well. So, you know, if, if Robinson will be the guy when they open up against Ohio state, who knows, but they do have two players who can get the job done. And, and from what I've been seeing, they've been pretty high on little John as well. So we'd be remiss if we didn't mention those two players. Yeah. Like Jake mentioned last week, that job is, uh, you know, not closed it's they're keeping it open to competition for a reason because there's there's talented guys like all three of them in that room so it'll be kind of interesting to see how that develops over the next six months or so uh we'll move on from that now and uh dive into something from uh one of our uh, fellow sbn people wrote um last week or rather updated it looks like today um from the timestamp, but uh, we're talking about, of course, Bill Connolly uh, doing his Conference USA power rankings for 2019 and seems to think that there are several teams who could make a run at the title. Um, we'll just kind of run through it real quick in his uh, tier one. He's got Marshall at the top of the league, North Texas at two, FIU at three, FAU at four, and then Southern Miss at five and Louisiana Tech at six. Um, and then to round it out, MTSU and UAB kind of in the middle. Um, and then on the bottom in tier three, you have uh, Western Kentucky, Charlotte, Old Dominion at 9, 10, 11. And then at uh, tier four, finish it out with UTEP, UTSA, and Rice. I would say that's pretty solid. Um, all the teams in his top tier, I think, have enough tools to get to the top there um probably like marshall north texas more so than the other ones on there um i guess what i'm kind of interested in is um it's it's a little surprising to me that uab didn't make it in there uh over you know one or two of the other teams in there um, just because I didn't think they were losing that much talent, but I think for the most part, I kind of agree with the other ones. I, I would still put, uh, I would still put UTIP below UTSA and Rice, honestly. But I think those are the only two gripes I really have with it. All right. Well, before I go, I, I just want to you know give you a chance here, Joe. Who do you feel? And I'm just curious as I'm asking this on the fly. 
who do you feel strongest about in the conference? Wouldn't that be to, to or let's just say, who do you feel strongest about to win the conference? Um, I mean, just based on returning production, probably North Texas. I think they have a lot of good offensive tools and reason to be confident based on, you know, what they did last year. I think they just, you know, failed to execute in a couple key moments. And that's ultimately what kind of kept them from getting to the promised land, so to speak. Um, and the, I'd probably say I'd have like the second most confidence in, in Marshall just because they just tend to, uh, you know, get to that, get close to that point the last three years or so. Um, and then I would probably have FIU kind of a close third behind Marshall, I guess. But yeah, I think North Texas, I would say, is probably my like my pick right now. And obviously we have a long way to go. So, but that's how I feel. So I'm going to go a few places here. And for those of you listening, you're not shocked because you should be used to me being a little spaz when it comes to uh, topics like this. But, you know, just bear with me for a second. I believe that Marshall, North Texas, and FIU are the clear three. I think they're tier one. I would put FAU, Southern Miss, and Louisiana Tech uh, tier two with Southern Miss being the head of that tier. So I think they have a lot of talent coming back. Um, actually, when you look through that roster, they, they they actually might be in the tier one. But for the sake of argument, I'm going to go with Marshall, North Texas, and FIU. Marshall, huge believer uh, in what Doc Holliday has going on there. I think Isaiah Green is ready to make the next step uh, at the quarterback position. I firmly believe when they can get Tyler King back healthy, as well as Brendan Knox, they've got a one-two punch at running back. And I also think Obi Obialo is a guy who's ready to break out. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at just the physical uh, um, physical metrics on the kid, he, he looks a lot like Tyree Brady, and I think he's just as athletic. So I think he's gonna he's more than right to be the number one. Uh, I think you made all the points that I would make about North Texas. You know, it, it, nothing really stopped North Texas last year outside of themselves having those trip ups. And obviously, I'm around the FIU program on a regular basis, and. I would be tempted to put FIU ahead of North Texas. However, and anyone who's, who's read my articles about the Panthers knows this, they have to come out and prove, and even talking to some of the coaches, whether it was uh, uh, Damian Lewis, a former NFL guy, former Miami guy who's there with the program now, uh, Brent Renner had a chance to talk to him a little bit in pro day. They have to win that game. And by that game, I mean a game that they go into and they are maybe not you know a clear favorite, but it's a 50-50 game. They have to show that they can go there and win that game. When you look at the team last year, they lost to Marshall when they controlled their own destiny. They lost to FAU, a game that, quite frankly, everyone thought they were going to take the next step and win. And they lost to Indiana. The Indiana loss, I don't hold too much against them because James Morgan uh, only had three weeks of practice coming into that start. So in that regard, I am finally putting FIU third. Now, who I do have a minor cripe with, and people listening to this podcast are probably getting sick of me, you know, uh, hyping up the Charlotte 49ers, but I can't say it enough. Uh, and Joe's probably sick of me hyping up the 49ers as well because we went back and forth on Brad Lambert last year. Um, I, I'm a huge believer in what they have. I think Benny LeMay might be the best player in the conference. I'm a huge believer in Victor Tucker. That guy is, is he had over 700 yards receiving, and the quarterback play was not consistent last year. The defense does lose Juwan Foggy, but they have talented guys coming back. 
Uh, I don't think they're going to take a major step back defensively. I think they're going to take a leap offensively, and it's going to come down to Chris Reynolds. Chris Reynolds and Brett Keen, uh, are, are, in my opinion, are the, the 1A and 1B competing for that starting job. And I think I've said it numerous times on Twitter, social media, and in articles. If they can get that quarterback position locked down, and if they can uh, adapt to Will Healy's offense and his style of play, I genuinely believe that team, uh, they're not a tier one team, but I think they're a bowl team. And when you look at Bill C's power rankings, he does not have them as a bowl team. So those would be, you know, kind of my points with this article and the rest that I fairly agree with. Yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's interesting that both of the teams that were in the championship game last year are losing enough that uh, a lot of people don't really think that they're going to be, you know, near the top. I mean, at seven and eight in this list, that's, you know, almost... I mean, that is the bottom, well, not almost, that is the bottom half of the conference. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I'm not as optimistic about um, about Charlotte, certainly, to kind of disagree with, with you. But, I mean, we do that on every show, I feel like, about that team. Um, and then with the other few teams, I don't know, I guess I'm not, I'm not as optimistic about FAU, Southern Miss, and tech i don't know i i think they'll those three teams will have another year where they'll where they'll do fine but i don't think that they'll finish better than like mtsu and uab i guess that's kind of my thoughts on that condensed yeah yeah no i mean that's that's really fair and especially in regards to middle i think when you lose you know brent stockstill you're probably expecting them to be uh a middle of the pack team and i think luis torres who we had on the podcast earlier mm -hmm. um made a great point in really kind of summarizing where that team is. You know, if Asher O'Hara um, can come in and stabilize the quarterback position, they have enough to kind of be a middle of the pack team, but I don't think they're going to be competing for the conference championship. And when you talk about UAB, I mean, Jamel Garcia Williams, Chris Wilbright, I mean, talk about guys that they lost. They lost a lot of talent on defense. Uh, where I think there is hope is on the offensive side. Uh, is this offense more dangerous? Uh, it was a question that, you know, we will eventually ask, uh, um, in the in the offseason with uh, one of our Twitter guys and Daily Dragon, but is this offense have uh, or does that offense have a higher ceiling with um, you know Tyler Johnson the third as opposed to AJ Early? That may be true, you know. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But overall, uh, I just think those two teams lost enough talent to where they're going to regress to the middle of the pack. You know, they'll bounce back. They recruit well. And you and I have debated Charlotte long enough. We'll debate it in the past. We'll debate it in the future. So uh, agent 49, shout out on Twitter. That, that's uh, Joe H I O underscore on Twitter. You know, if you want to go ahead and work your complaint there, because uh, I'm, I'm all in on the Charlotte program. So, you know, we'll go ahead and transition from there. Right. Charlotte will do fine. I don't think they're a bull team. That's all I'll say. Um, or maybe, the, I don't know. I don't, I'm not as high as, uh, you know, some other people seem to be, but you know, I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll regress. That's all I'll say. Um, with that, we'll move on to the next topic, which is, uh, kind of related to G5 football, but, um, just kind of the more, more of like football and the overall sports landscape right now as a whole, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, of course, the former, uh, Texas tech head coach, um, and now with the uh, Arizona Cardinals, the NFL talking about instituting cell phone breaks every 25 minutes during uh, player meetings as uh, as a means of kind of breaking it up and, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, a they they kind of, I guess, get their fix or whatever. And uh, just making sure that 
you know, he's not completely losing people with meetings that go on too long. Um, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording and, uh, just to kind of summarize how I feel about it. I don't, I don't hate the idea. I mean, um, you know, I'm sure you've watched a fair amount of office reruns as have I, and they all kind of sit there just eyes glazed over in each of those meetings. Like, you know, these meetings are pointless, um, which like, you know, I know, I understand it's a little different in the NFL, but you don't have to like, you know, that's just not how you kind of keep people's attention is keeping them in these really long meetings when, you know, there's quicker ways of relaying vital information, I guess. So I think kind of the issue that comes from it is like the way it's framed. Cause like, if he was just saying like, Oh, I'm going to give them a, like a, you know, five, 10 minute, like bathroom break or whatever, every 25 minutes, you know, people wouldn't be freaking out about it, but like, let's be honest, people would still, the players would still be getting on their phones during that break. It's just the fact that they called it a cell phone break. So of course, like, you know, older people and, uh, people who, for whatever reason, like to brag about not being technologically inclined or whatever, they're the ones that are going to have a problem with it because of how it's framed. And like, I can't, you know, I, I think they framed it poorly by calling cell phone breaks, but just, just give people breaks every 25 minutes and then you won't really have like the, I won't call it a backlash because at the end of the day, who, honestly, who cares? <laughs> but, you know, people are kind of having uh, some reactions to it on Twitter, which is ironic given, <laughs> given what this is. <laughs> no, Joe, and you make a lot of good points there. I just want to go ahead and read a couple quotes from Cliff Kingsbury, okay. because when we talked about it prior to recording, we both of us were in agreement. You know, first off, both of us are millennials, <laughs> but we are, are in agreement there that the framing is a little bad. But I need to make sure we stay on point that it's Cliff Kingsbury who actually framed it this way. I'm going to read the quotes. Mm -hmm. They're itching to get to those things, he said, referring to smartphones. Mm -hmm. uh, you kind of you start to see. You start to see kind of hands twitching and leg, legs shaking, and you know they need to get that social media fix. So we'll let them hop over there and then get back to meetings and refocus. I, <laughs> okay. Um, I truly believe that that does underestimate millennials' ability to focus. We all hold jobs and careers, and I mean, uh, this is hopefully this doesn't sound too elitist on my part, but hey, I'm, we'll just go for it. Uh, Joe and I, despite the, the lack of common sense or maybe uh, intelligence that we may appear to sound uh, to have, uh, clearly I'm making the point, the lack of intelligence that we may appear to have on this podcast, both of us have master's degrees, right? So that took a little bit of like dedication and some sort of ability to focus for a period and stretch of time. And I just feel that that underestimates us as millennials who sit there and say, hey, this is something we're passionate about. Clearly, to get to that level of football, this is your craft. This is your chosen profession. I think if you said to a player, hey, we need you to sit there for 45 minutes and watch film uh, on you know, this scheme, and this is what we're going to be facing on Sundays or previously on Saturdays, they could do it. Now, if you want to say, hey, just no matter the human being, no one likes long meetings. No one likes to sit through you know, the pre-meeting before the meeting. No one likes to sit through the hour-long meeting, and it's just monotonous, and you're just rambling on and on. Sure, that's fine, but I don't think that's specific to whether you're a millennial or whether you're a baby boomer, you know? Um, so I guess that was kind of my issue that I, that I took with it. And just 
to kind of say that, hey, you know, you can't stay off Instagram, you can't stay off Twitter. I, I don't know, man. It's kind of rubbing the wrong way. But then you have someone like Antonio Brown, who uh, I don't know if you remember this when Mike Tomlin was giving the speech post game after I believe it was a playoff victory. He's there on Facebook Live, and maybe you know, Clifton for has a point. So who knows? But I guess as a millennial, you know, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I, I feel so it underestimates these kids who college athletes are dedicated people you know as someone who spends a fair time around them around them they haven't just woken up and got to this point so i think they're capable of sitting through meetings and focus and and, and being able to get the information the requisite information needed to have success on saturdays and sundays so once again just to frame it as a social media um break that rubbed me the wrong way because as people it doesn't matter what age you are you need no one likes long meetings so that's kind of my uh two cents on that yeah i think uh, there's the weird thing to me is you're right. The framing of it is bad and it's surprising that it is because like Cliff Kingsbury is like a younger guy. I would, I'm pretty sure he's also a millennial, right? Like he falls in that age grouping. So like, I think it's interesting. Yeah, well, that, not yeah. to cut you off, I believe he's born in 1981. So you're correct. Yeah. So like, I find it interesting that he, maybe he just wasn't really thinking about it uh, in terms of, that not coming off great for people that are in his age group. And then the other thing is like, you know, from his quote is you see people sitting there, their legs shaking and twitching or whatever. If they sit there for a half hour, yeah, they have to go to the bathroom. They've been like, like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I mean, I think overall, like, yeah, give people a break. If you're have them sitting in a conference room for a half hour at a time when, you know, I don't know. Let's be honest. Not all the information there is going to apply to everyone in the room anyway. Um, and yeah, like also like they're pro athletes. If they sit still for too long, of course, they're going to like feel like they need to be moving around a little bit. I don't know. Um, I think overall, yeah, give people breaks every 25 minutes. That's good. The framing of this probably could have been a little better. Exactly. We're on the same page. And just, you know, a quick correction. Cliff Kingsburg was born eight nine seventy nine, So he's just outside the millennial range. He's okay. a younger guy. He's 39 years of age. So obviously, you know, he's within the age range to be a social media guy and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, to say, you know, guys' legs are twitching and whatnot, because, you know, they want to get up and stretch. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're, you know, itching to go on, you know, Facebook or check out the latest Instagram model. You know, not that I haven't done that from time to time, but I digress. Uh, next topic, Joe. Right. Cliff Kingsbury wears Ray-Bans at work, so he's a millennial in my eyes. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, moving on, then, we'll talk a little bit about some player movement within Conference USA. Um, one of the bigger notes on that subject, Rice running back Emmanuel Sukbutt is going to uh, transfer to BYU. Um, do we know if he's immediately eligible there? Because, A, that's a pretty big hit for Rice. And, you know, not that this is a BYU podcast by any means, but I think that's that's a pretty good pickup for them because he he was a pretty big part of, like, you know, the few good things that happened to Rice football in the last year or so. Yeah, Joe, from my understanding, the article I read today is that he is immediately eligible to play. Uh, he has graduated. I believe he has a grad transfer. And like you mentioned, he, Rice, it's been a struggle for them the past few years, but he's been one of the bright spots. I mean, he carried the rock a lot for them last year, and, and I had a chance to see him up close in person. 
uh, at, when they came to FIU, he and Austin Walter uh, and Aston Walter, all of the Walters, uh, came to FIU. But just to run off his stats for you really quickly, he had 122 carries of 461 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, didn't have any catches through the backfield or from the backfield, excuse me. But you know, he has an average of 3.8 yards. That isn't due to his lack of talent. That's due to the fact that it was really a struggle for Rice offensively, and he was one of their main weapons. But he's a good sized back, man. He's 5'11", 240 pounds. Uh, so he kind of fits that BYU kind of big back. Uh, Harvey Unga was one of the guys I remember uh, coming out of there. Um, who you know, I, I just think it's a great pickup for BYU. But I, you'll remember, I wrote an article. Uh, last month, I believe it was last month, talking about G5 transfers who were going to P5s, and in this case, BYU is not a P5. But let's be honest here; they're not their av- they're not your average G5 either. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I guess it kind of pains me, you know, not from the player perspective. Uh, Emmanuel Asuka is trying to make the most he can of his career while he has a college career left to pursue a, a career at the next level. God bless them. Do what you need to do. But I guess I just see all these programs, and it happens to be CUSA teams that are getting hit pretty hard. You know, they're trying to build a foundation there. When you have players saying, hey, um, I've done my three years or four years or whatever, however long it took you to graduate, and now I've got to do what's best for me. I guess as someone who covers this league, it kind of stings you, you know, because you want to see those guys finish it out. And you'd like to see, right, I think they're a program that's headed in the right direction with Mike Bloomgren. And Clearly, from our earlier discussions, we don't think that they're going to be a bowl team. However, we do think that, or I'll speak for myself, I won't say we, I guess I believe that Emmanuel Asuka has the same opportunities as Rice at Rice that he will have BYU. So that's one of the things. And he is a grand transfer, as I'm looking at it right now. So he will be immediately eligible for uh, BYU. Nice. Um, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting uh, pickup for them. And we'll see how the guys at Rice uh, left in that running back room step up in order to kind of fill uh you know the void that his departure leaves so um with that we'll move on i guess to talk about uh there was an article in the miami herald about the kind of guys that um fiu is trying to find for uh, his football program and just kind of talking about like the culture there um and, you know, when we talked to him when he was on the podcast, um, it seems like they've been doing a great job of just finding guys who um, are just buying into uh, their program and kind of the, the atmosphere and the culture that they're building. Um, but, you know, Eric, from your time following the program, are there any guys uh, falling into like the transfer side of things um, that fit, you know, what he's building there in terms of what he looks for in recruits? No, I mean, this is what the, and it's funny you mentioned that. I'm actually glad you did mm-hmm. because I spoke with two key people uh, with FIU recruiting. When you talk about Bryn Renner, he's the guy who's really, he was a director of recruiting for, for FIU the past two seasons before taking this role now as the quarterback's coach. And he'll still, you know, be heavily involved in the efforts as far as getting recruits. And another guy who, who does a great job as far as, uh, well, really, to be honest with you, the whole staff does a really good job as far as recruiting. But the other guy, uh, Nick Stumeiler, uh, but he also is another guy who's very involved in, in the recruiting and they look for a very specific player. Bush Davis has made no bones about it. Any of the people and the coaches and the recruiters have made no bones about it. They're looking for character over production. They want to know, and this is a direct quote from Bryn Renner when I spoke to him during the recruiting season, they want to know when your team is down 14 points, down 20 points, do you have your hands on your hips? Are you frustrated because you're not getting the ball or because you're getting double teamed? 
or are you there supporting the guys, you know, who are playing and, and your teammates? Because you very well may be the best player on the team or on the field that ga- that day, but your team isn't winning. And how are you reacting to that? They want to have players who come, you know, uh, another quote from Bryn, uh, as far as just shaking Coach Davis's hand and look him in the eye. He said a handshake and, and, and a conversation with Coach Davis means more than running a 4-4 at some Nike camp. So those are really the type of guys who they're talking about, you know, good character guys, quote unquote. And also the thing that they really looked for is these hidden gems. You know, at FIU, uh, when Coach Davis came on the on the podcast, he said that, hey, you're not going to be able to date Miss America if you don't ask her out. So they're willing to offer anybody, but they're not afraid to go and find a guy who's not a three-star, four-star on Rivals or 24-7. You know, they're looking for a – give you an example of a name – Netta kid, uh, Shamar Hobdi Lee, who was an offensive tackle, very big offensive tackle from Tampa Jefferson High School. The kid is 6'4", about 370 pounds, Joe, for, mm-hmm. for an 18-year-old. And, and Coach Davis even said that, hey, you know, we're going to have to break him down to build him back up, meaning we're going to have to reshape him. That 370, we need it to be a, a little more evenly distributed throughout his body, but he's a hidden gem. And those are the type of kids who they're really looking for. And to really quickly talk what you said as far as transfers, uh, they did get Malik Williams. They did get uh, Alexi Jean-Baptiste from Arkansas. Both those players came in from Arkansas. They did get Josh Turner from Iowa. Those are three guys who are local to the South Florida area. Um, Williams and Turner both are Fort Lauderdale, Broward County products. And, and Malik Williams, uh, or excuse me, Jean-Baptiste uh, is from, or excuse me, Jean-Baptiste and Turner are Broward County products. Malik Williams is from uh, Punta Gorda in Charlotte County, where they have a couple of players on their roster as well. And they also fit into that category of being high-character guys. So it, that's all kind of the theme coming out of FIU being around the program. Cool. Um, yeah, sounds like they have some good uh, products, you know, on the radar at least. Um, and then one other kid that I, I completely forgot about that I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't mention is uh, Ty Story transferring into Western Kentucky from Arkansas as a, as a grad transfer. Uh, of course, played in uh, 14 games for Arkansas uh total and uh played in 10 in, in 2018 started nine of those um really i think this is this is an interesting addition for uh you know the new look hilltoppers for a like a the, the quarterback room is already going to be extremely crowded with davis shanley and uh the other folks that are already in there with um you know Kavaris thomas is the other guy that I, I blanked on for a second there. Um, so this makes that a little more interesting, especially since Story, I believe, only has a year to play since he's a grad transfer. Um, but, I mean, he's a good player. I just think it's interesting that they're picking up a quarterback when I think they already have two pretty decent guys vying for the starting job with with Shanley and Thomas. And then, of course, you have... Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the the kid who was suspended for the Wisconsin game last year. Oh my gosh, who am I thinking of? Help me. <laughs> that now now I'm blanking on it too as as I'm only going to think. But just to to kind of get on story for a second, uh, it's it's weird, right? Because Arkansas wasn't a good team last year. They were two and ten, mm-hmm. right? So, and I'm not saying that falls directly at 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 his lap. I'm just saying that there's a reason why Arkansas went out and uh, you know, went and got Ben Hicks from SMU because they felt that their quarterback room needed to be better. So when you talk about, and you kind of, you know, touched on a little bit there, that quarterback room is already crowded, right? So Mm -hmm. it's one of the things that 
I guess the theme around college football seems to be, you know, the quarterback room can't be too deep. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a matter of having as many talented players at the position as possible. Um, you can look at um, Old Dominion as, as a, you know, prime case of that. But it, it's just, I don't know. You know, I, I just, the reason I'm so hesitant on it, Joe, is because it's not that quarterback is their only issue. They didn't, you know, things didn't fall apart last year for the tops because of just quarterback play. There were a lot sure. of things. And the, the player you were talking about is Stephen Duncan. Yes. Uh, who, who was suspended. But it's just that, that's why I'm pausing, Joe. Quarterback, you can only play one at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, unless, you, unless you're going to do the dual quarterback deal, you don't play one at a time. So uh, someone's going to end up being, you know, uh, not asked out to the prom. So it, it's interesting. But all in all, I mean, I guess it's a good addition. I mean, Story is a guy who threw for a little over 1,500 yards last year, 12 touchdowns, 11 interceptions for a 2-10 and 10 Arkansas team. So it's not to say that he can't play, but he wasn't necessarily a game changer as well. But, you know, he'll come in, he'll have his year of eligibility, and we'll see what happens. Uh, we're actually going to talk about David Shanley a little bit in a second, but I, I personally, I expect him to be the starter. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it should be interesting with, uh, you mentioned Stephen Duncan, and uh, also interesting that uh, we talk about how crowded that quarterback room is. Western was the only team in FBS last year to start three different players at quarterback. So I think why, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of factors that clearly went into this from Story side and from WKU side, but it's just the fact that this already kind of weird situation is getting weirder and I feel I feel a little bit bad saying that because Story's not a bad player and he's obviously making this decision because he feels like it's going to have a positive impact on his life but I think it's just you know it makes the quarterback situation a little bit more of a headache now which is a strange thing to say I feel like you would want as much talent as possible but like you said you can only pick one (laughs) so I don't know it's a weird situation well just really quick I'll close it on this we do have to remember that they have a new coach coming in and Tyson Helton. Sure. So, you know, maybe he wants to bring in, maybe he sees something, you know, in story that he doesn't see in the other quarterbacks. We don't know. We'll have to let it play out and see. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. With a, uh, with a new coach, there's always going to be shakeups. So we'll see how it unfolds. And uh, next on the list, we'll go ahead and uh, move on to an article that you wrote in the last uh, few days with uh, underrated players within Conference USA. Um, A lot of gems on this list just from reading it earlier. Uh, I'll go ahead and let you kind of talk about the guys that particularly stand out to you. And um, I think there was was a couple in here that I wanted to kind of personally vouch for as well. So I'll let you run with that here. Sure, yeah. I mean, the first guy, and I was even hesitant to put him on this list, was Reed Blankenship, who from Middle Tennessee State to safety, who quite frankly – he may be the best defensive back in conference USA. And in my opinion, he should be absolutely considered uh, to be conference USA's defensive player of the year in 2019. Uh, the other number 12, if he's kind of known around, you know, middle Tennessee's parts because of the fact that he shared the same number of Brent stock still, but this kid is a baller in 24 games, you know, 175 tackles, 15 stops for loss, six interceptions and two sacks. You know, he's kind of that, ideal safety you know he's he can fly uh all around the you know defensive backfield he can make plays in the box he can stop the run he's a good tackler so if the play happens to get behind that second line of defense he's right there and he can play the pass really well because he's a former cornerback coming out of high school 
So I'm really a fan of this kid. And like I said, I, I think he may be uh, the defensive player of the year. And he may be the best defensive back in the conference uh, when it's all said and done in 2019. The other player I want to talk about is someone I get a chance to see up close in person here at FIU is Richard Dames. And the reason I put him uh, as far as under the radar goes is he's someone who isn't even a full-time starter. You know, FIU has uh, just a wealth of talent in that defensive backfield, which is clearly the strength of their defense. And you talk about Stanley Thomas Oliver, you talk about Ike Brown, uh, Dorian Hall, Olin Cushion third. They've got four guys right there. That's going to be their starting backfield, right? Now, you have Richard Dames, who does play a lot. He was a three-star recruit coming out of uh, high school. And he plays a lot, whether it's safety, whether it's nickel corner, or that kind of that rover position, which does play a prominent role in FIU's defense. You don't – Butch Davis is someone who isn't keen on comparison. If you've ever heard him post-game, you know, hear him after practice, he likes to talk about guys who are there in the moment. He doesn't like to talk about his Miami guys or his North Carolina guys. However, he's let this one slip from time to time, and I just want you – you know, here's my perfect when you hear this one. He has cautiously said that Dames reminds him of Edward Reed when he was at Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're talking about Ed Reed, you know, the Hall of Famer who played for the Baltimore Ravens and, and New York Jets and Houston Texans, but – James does kind of remind you of that guy and the fact that wherever the ball is, he is there. Uh, whenever he's on the field, it might not even be in a full-time capacity, even though, he, like I said, he does get a lot of playing time because of the amount of DBs that FIU uses. He's always there. Last season, he had 46 tackles and three interceptions. But like I said, you don't see that versatility and that he's capable of playing the nickel corner. He's played, capable of playing in the box against the run. He was an all-conference honorable mention last year, and I think this year, He's just going to stand out enough on and be on the front of coaches' minds where he may be a first or second team player at the end of the season. So Richard Dames is another one of my underrated guys. And I'll just really quick, uh, Victor Tucker from Charlotte. Uh, I know I said I wouldn't mention him, but you know I, I, I really like him. I even talked to him earlier in the podcast that the quarterback situation was so fluid at Charlotte. For him to you know have over 700 yards receiving, he might be the best receiver in the conference when it's all said and done uh, next season as well. So those would be my guys. Nice. And uh, yeah, of course, we, we all remember Ed Reed, of course, as the guy who looked like he was 80 when he was 40. But anyway, um, yeah, I think two guys that you mentioned in here that I particularly really agree with is uh, for one, you got Davis Shanley from from Western in here. And we talked about him a little bit uh, in terms of how crowded WKU's QB room is. But uh, yeah, I think he really added another dimension to that offense and it's a shame that like you know a i know he was kind of dealing with some injury issues as were all those guys um but you look at wku's stats from last year and uh chanley had the highest qb rating of any of the the three that started at the position alongside of course drew eccles and stephen duncan um but you know he only had a, a few more passing attempts than Stephen Duncan, but he only threw two interceptions compared to Duncan's seven. So I think that kind of speaks to, I think he's a little bit, I just think he's a little bit better decision maker. And then of course, uh, but whereas, you know, Duncan had six more touchdowns, so there's that. Uh, but Davis uh, just kind of, add, or yeah, Davis Shanley, I should say, um, kind of adds that other dimension to it because he's a relatively effective scrambler. And that's kind of what uh, they needed in with the way that uh, that offense, that offensive line played the last two seasons. Um, And hopefully that gets corrected this season. They can kind of find someone who plays well 
in the pocket amongst that group that they have. Um, but yeah, I think he he gets not enough credit for what he was able to do last year, and I part of me wishes he had gotten a little more time. But I understand that Duncan had a few good games in there at critical times, especially when uh, uh, Shanley got hurt a little bit. Um, and uh, they wanted to give Drew Eccles some snaps, of course, because he was the senior. Um, but also wanted to uh, shout out BJ Emmons of FAU, who you had on here, the former Alabama kid. Um, when you have an FAU team that's losing two backs that were as good and as uh, just as effective as Devin Singletary and Kareth White Jr., both, um, you would always kind of hope if you're a coach that you have someone who's going to fill that void and let you lean on the system that you've had uh, in years prior. And I think he kind of gives them that option a little bit. Alabama, of course, kind of has a habit of like breeding these big beefy running backs that, that get the job done. Um, And, you know, this kid really looks like he could be that, but you know, now he's, now he's playing for Florida Atlantic. So I think, you know, he's only going to help them go up if they can just get the rest of that offense like figured out for sure. Yeah, and just to kind of quickly touch on the two guys you mentioned, Davis Shanley, the thing that I like about him is he completed 68% of his passes last year. I know the numbers uh, as far as touchdowns and interceptions, a little pedestrian as far as three touchdowns and two interceptions, but he is a very accurate passer. And you also mentioned he can use his legs and scramble. The game I want to point out against Louisville, he goes 22 or 33 for 240 yards and one touchdown in a game that, you know, quite frankly, they, they had a chance to, you know, to win. Um, and then you talk about the, the injuries. He got knocked out against FIU in a game that he was a warrior. I mean, that's a game that I didn't see up close in person. Uh, he suffered a concussion. And I even remember the look on Davis Shanley's face when he, you know, came out of that game uh, after the hit happened he didn't look like he was there at all. And I, I believe he played another play or two before he was pulled, but, and I'm not advocating, you know, Hey, uh, throw some, rub some dirt on it and keep playing. But the fact that he, he's a very tough kid uh, and can use his legs. He's not the biggest kid in the world, but he, he's a warrior. He's got guts. And I, like I said, I honestly think he's going to be the one to win that job. As far as BJ Emmons goes, we all know how run heavy FAU has been last year, the last two seasons. Uh, under Lane and Kiffin, when you got a star running back like Motor Singletary, as well as a Kareth White Jr., who may have, you know, be an NFL running back himself. The kid ran 4.35 at Pro Day today. Uh, so that just shows the type of talent they had there. But he has a chance to really kind of be the guy and live up to that four slash five star potential that he had at Alabama. And the thing I like about him, and this may sound weird, Joe, he took 2018 away from football. So you know he's hungry. Uh, he really said that he needed that time away from football to kind of find himself, uh, get in the best shape possible. And now back at FAU, I, I honestly think he has a chance to really stabilize that running game. Uh, they have a couple of, of freshmen coming in as well who will see carries as well, but you know they're not going to miss a beat as far as having Emmons there as opposed to uh, Devin Singletary and Terrace White Jr., or at least that's their hope. So that's the reason why he made my under-the-radar list. Uh, what was he doing in 2018 if he took some time away from football? He actually was just being a student. To, to I, I, Jake Elman, once again, shout out Jake again on Twitter. Uh, Jake was the one who wrote that recently, but he said that as well. Uh, Emmons, being, he said that as well. He was just being a student. He took time away from football just to kind of find himself, uh, you know, get himself in order as far as his academics. 
uh, not that he had academic issues prior, but he just wanted to focus on being a student, getting his degree, and coming in and, and being in the best shape possible. And I was reunited with a guy who he knows very well from his days at Alabama and Lane Kiffin. So that's what he was doing. Interesting. Um, yeah, certainly going to be fun to see what he can do and what the rest of that FAU offense can do to kind of bring this podcast full circle. We started off talking about FAU, and uh, now we start to wrap it up talking about FAU. Um, look at that. We kind of thought we weren't really going to have much of a show this afternoon, but uh, we ended up almost going a full hour just kind of talking about random stuff from throughout the league. Well, you know, Joe, it's been a minute since we've had a chance to just – enjoy each other's company, you know, without the intrusion of guests and just banter and ramble on and debate about Charlotte and, you know, make each other laugh. So it feels like I'm discovering you again, Joe, and I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> You're disguised. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny. <laughs> For those of you listening, you can't figure it out. Joe and I's objective is just kind of make each other laugh throughout the podcast. And if we're doing that, then I think we're, we're doing all right. So, uh, <laughs> I, I know you wasn't ready for that one, but uh, there you go. <laughs> You're discovering <laughs> me again. Like we're doing couples therapy or something. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, no, I, I agree. We haven't had a, a podcast with just the two of us probably since the season ended. So, yeah, it's been a minute. Um, with that, we'll start to wrap up the show then. Um, first of all, thanks so much for, um, a, we got a lot of positive feedback the last few weeks on the interview with, uh, with coach Davis. So thank you to everybody who listened to that and who had nice things to say to us on Twitter and via email. So, uh, we'll try to get more coaches on throughout the off season and hopefully they, they stack up. Um, and of course, if you haven't subscribed on iTunes already, go ahead and do that and leave us a review. That helps us grow also that, uh, you know, we we really enjoy doing the show and we'd like to make more. And if enough of you like it, that reflects really well on us. Um, and then, of course, follow at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter, like us on Facebook, check out the site every day for more G5 football stuff. And then you can follow us on Twitter if you want. It's at uh, J-O-E-H-I-O is uh, underscore is me. And then Eric is at Eric C. Henry underscore. Uh, we talk about sports a lot, and uh, I tweet pictures of sandwiches sometimes. Um, that's pretty much it. And with that, we will say happy football watching and see you in the near future. Bye.